You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Coming up, we have Tane Webster and Politics Explained. Oh, who can explain politics? But if you've got some questions, send them to us, 2057 for a text, inbox at radleycheck.radio for an email. Tane, good morning. Good morning. So we've got a lot of talk online in, in, in terms of kind of contact uh, to us as well, people asking about the negotiations that are going on currently. So the special votes have been counted. Uh, they're all in Wellington meeting. Take us into the room. What, what would it be like in there right now? Amazingly cordial. Uh, one of the things that's extraordinary about politics is um, sitting around the cabinet table or sitting around negotiating um, a coalition deal is remarkably cordial because no one's no one's looking at you. And politics has become so much theater and how things appear that a lot of it, this won't be a surprise to listeners, is an act. But when you close the door and start talking, a sense of responsibility falls upon everyone because you have a responsibility to form a government and lead the country, and everyone feels it, right? No doubt about it. And everyone becomes a better version of who they are because of that responsibility. So for all the talk about Winston Peters and David Seymour not getting along, uh, Paul Luxon being like a, 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 a dad with two teenagers fighting, uh, it won't be like that. They will be trying to make it work for the country. Um, I'm sure that's true for the left side of politics as well as the centre-right. Now, having said that, it's very, very tough because National campaigned on its policies and what it wanted to do. ACT has campaigned on its policies and what it wanted to do. And Winston Peters campaigned on his policies and what he wanted to do. So you've got the policy dimension. And National won't want to give a blank check and say, oh, yeah, no, that sounds a good policy because the devil will always be in the detail. And so that's tough. Setting up those policies is extremely tough. And it's hard to do in advance of advice. So you can imagine, oh, you know, um, name a policy. Um, oh, we want charter schools. And you say, well, how do these charter schools look? Well, we're not quite sure, but we want charter schools. And then, well, I'm not going to sign up to charter schools unless I see the detail and have official advice on how it's going to work. And so suddenly you can't get that full agreement because it's all a bit pie in the sky. So the policies are very, very hard to do. So, for example, what we did uh, when I negotiated with the National Party and the Maori Party is we'd say, well, look, all we want is an opportunity to develop the policy and for you to consider it, which sounds a bit weak need, but we figured we'd have such a good argument that we would win it 
by virtue of the argument. And that's how we did three strikes. We didn't say to the national, you have to agree to three strikes or else, because they really didn't know how it would work. We said, we've got it. We want to develop the legislation and for you to give a good look at it. And when they looked at it, they said, ah, that makes sense, <laughs> right? So that's that's the policy front. And, of course, <clears throat> you've got this interesting thing that National and ACT have been negotiating, obviously, and now Winston Peters has come into the picture with the counting of specials in a stronger position. But ACT will obviously want to know what's been conceded to New Zealand first, because they may not want to sign up to those policies. And so it becomes a sort of three-way sort of deal. So you can imagine, for example, uh, New Zealand first wanting to do their traditional policy of having a fund for the provinces where Shane Jones travels around the country like he did with Labour, handing out money to businesses. I'm sure ACT would have a very strong philosophical disagreement with that policy because they'd say that's, you know, borderline corruption or sort of thing. Politicians shouldn't be walking around handing out money. And so that's tough, right? Back and forth, back and forth. Oh, my goodness. The other tough thing is you've got to decide places. So ACT might go in there and say, well, we expect two or three cabinet posts in at this level and these portfolios, right? But imagine they get all that nutted down and then New Zealand first comes in with four at a more senior level and the media are going to write that up as New Zealand first won and ACT lost. So again, it becomes this back and forth about places and positions. And this is very tough for Christopher Luxon because every ministerial post or job he gives to New Zealand first or to act means kicking one of his own members in the guts because they had their eye on that job, right? And it sounds tedious, but it's all part of the process. Now for act and New Zealand first, they're absolutely at their strongest now because National is coming to them to put the deal together. Once the deal's agreed and the Governor-General sworn them in, Christopher Luxon is Prime Minister, he's got the numbers in Cabinet, and they're weakened politically. So they've got to get as much as they can for the good of the country in their view now because after the negotiations, it becomes a lesser thing. And I'm not saying they're doing this to bolster their ego or all the rest of it, right? Even when, assume people are in politics for all the right reasons, they've pushed these policies because they think they're good for New Zealand. They want to have a ministerial post in a particular portfolio because they think it's good for New Zealand. And that's what's going on there. It's, 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 it's very, very, very tough. Um, but um, there will be goodwill, surprisingly goodwill. Um, and Winston's not the irascible person in private that he appears in public. Right. Well, and what about the details with the different positions that are possible where, like, there's been articles saying the Act might go on the crossbenches? I think that would be likely, and I say that would be likely because that's what I would do. So if I was the leader of ACT, I have no input into ACT, 
I have no contact with that. Um, I'm out of politics. But if I look at the situation, I would say this could become a fought government because um, I think it's going to be a difficult government. Uh, I think, with the greatest respect, Winston Peters is difficult in a coalition. And um, he's difficult to nail down. He's difficult to get agreement to things. Um, and so as you go along, um, you can't get a snap. You couldn't ring Winston up and say, hey, Winston, we've got this important legislation. What do you think? And he'll say, oh, I need to have a look at it. Fair enough. Uh, we've got a briefing tonight. What do you think? After that night, I'm still thinking about it. And so it's tough, right? Because he's sort of, he he's very, he plays a longer game than what you would be doing if you're prime minister. Um, he's not necessarily open with his caucus colleagues. My favorite example of this was we were in parliament one night and Winston Peters, maybe he was supporting Helen Clark. I can't remember, uh, but they were there. Maybe they were on the cross benches like us. And I suddenly realized that uh, Labour government was short of numbers and would need New Zealand first. And I called out to Ron Mark, who was their whip. I said, Ronnie, are you guys voting for this? He said, I'm not sure. I said, what? <laughs> How can you not be sure these things get discussed in caucus? Well, I'm not sure. Like, these things have been discussed for months. He wasn't sure. He said, but don't worry, the boss is coming down to give a speech shortly. Winston Peters walked into Parliament, gave a fantastic speech. It was a fabulous speech, and then walked out. And I said, hey, Ronnie, are you voting for this or are you not? He said, well, you heard the speech. I said, I did. I didn't know whether Winston was for it or against it. He said, neither do I. So even at the last minute, it wasn't clear what Winston was going to do, and there was a vote coming up within 30 minutes. So that's quite difficult. So I think it's going to be a difficult government. And if I was ACT, I will say I would keep my distance by saying I'll give confidence and supply. That is to say, I'll vote for your budget, guaranteed. I'll give confidence that Chris Luxon is to be the prime minister and form a cabinet, but I won't go into cabinet. And that means every piece of legislation that comes before the House if you can't get Labour and the other parties to support it, you'll need the ACT Party support and you'll need to sell it to us case by case. And so the power of ACT would continue right through the three years. It couldn't be trampled over by a poorly run government. And it would have some power to stop dopey bad legislation and it would have some power to improve legislation to make it better, to make it work, because their vote would be required. Does that make sense? Yeah. We were in that position with Jenny Shipley. When Winston Peters left, um, uh, when Shipley took over from Jim Bolger as Prime Minister, we gave support to the National Party to stay in power for stability reasons. We never joined the Cabinet, and we supported legislation on a case-by-case -case basis, and that meant that we could say, look, this is a mistake. Uh, we don't support that bit. Take that bit out and we'll vote for it. So it is quite a powerful position to be in. And um, it's a lot of work, though, because um, every bit of legislation you've got to get advice on and go through with a fine-tooth comb.
uh, to work out what your position is. Whereas if you're in cabinet, you tend to concentrate on what you do and leave the other stuff unless it's controversial to the minister in charge. Right. So that's what how I would do you, if I was that. How long do you think it could take? The fastest or the slowest from here? Well, the fastest would be by the weekend. I think it'll be slow. Yeah. Like really slow. I think it's going to be difficult. And partly the reason is when I negotiated with John Key, uh, the other party was the Maori Party, and I got on very well with Tariana, and she and I could talk openly and trust each other. Um, I like Peter Sharples, but he really wanted to support Labour and wasn't comfortable with National, but he liked John Key, and so he wasn't as open with us as Tariana was. But what we both knew was that we weren't hunting each other's votes. So they were in the Maori seats, and I was in mm. the general elected plus Epson. I think the difficulty for ACT and New Zealand First is that they're after oftentimes the same voter. And I can imagine at the next election, a centre-right government could win, but either New Zealand First or ACT will disappear. Wow. And what they're negotiating now is who's going to be in the best position for the 2026 election. The fact that they're, uh, I, I agree with you, that they sort of have similar overlapping, you know, targeted um, voting, voter targets. Do you think that them now being in, in going to be coalition partners and over the next three years and with everything that'll happen, that's going to make ACT more... Um, more anti-globalist, so to speak, because that's one of the things that I don't Winston know. and Ed First have pushed really well that, that has resonated. That's basically what got them, well, one of the big know. things that got them across the line. I don't know, because observing David Seymour, who I knew very well as before he was a, uh, an MP, I don't know him well now that he is an MP, but it's very clear by his public utterances that he's after the urban liberal vote yeah, and therefore doesn't go along with Winston's conservative anti-globalist agenda. So mm. I don't think um, there will be that crossover in terms of policy. But obviously... Well, that's, the, that's the thing. It's going to be a massive detriment to their party if they don't because the thing is all that gender stuff that NZ First campaigned on really well, that that's going to probably in the short term, continue to get worse. It's going to get worse. And so yeah. is the stuff on farmers. And so is the centralization of control internationally. It's all that all those things are going to get worse. So if you don't campaign, you know, during the election, during the uh, the term on, on those sorts of issues, I mean. I know. And, it, and it's remarkable to me because David Seymour and indeed Chris Luxon don't see it. You know what I mean? They're so dismissive. And there's no doubt in my mind that Winston Peters got over the line because he saw it. Yeah. And it got him over the 5%. And, of course, it's quite possible that Winston Peters doesn't push it in these coalition deals. That's going to be the key thing. You mean doesn't push? Well, it. he doesn't. he doesn't have in the coalition agreement 
there's an end to gender ideology in the schools. There'll be no males um, competing in female sports, whatever they call themselves. There will be an end to the um, therapeutics good act. We're not signing up to the World Health Organization. There'll be a proper inquiry, X, Y, Z. All the things that he campaigned on um, to keep true to that promise, they have to be in the coalition agreement, signed up to by uh, National and signed up to by ACT. He's got to get that, right? To, yeah. to fulfill the promise. Mm. If it's not in the coalition agreement, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So that's that you know, this is tough stuff, right? This is tough stuff because Chris Luxon doesn't agree with it. And um he might say to Mr. Peters. I Watson, think that's where our that's where our listeners sort of come into it, you know. Absolutely. People got to pressure the the other two well parties that are you know in there on these issues. But it's hard to exert pressure right now because we've just had an election. You see, and they're thinking, well, we've got three years to make it up to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to laugh, but it's like, that's how the politicians will be thinking, right? Oh, you can write me emails all you like, right? You've had your vote. Now it's my turn. This is why I don't like MMP, by the way, because the promises that get made in the election campaign and what you vote for then get traded away in a backroom deal. Right? It's not like... It's not us. We, we we voted for what? Them we voted for these ideas. Will they make it to the coalition agreement? I jolly. I, mean, I feel like so. that's just part of the way it is. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that's unfair. I think it's just the way it is. I mean. No, I think it's deeply unfair. But there you go. Because like, how, the, how would you how would you fix it? How would you fix that part of it though? I'd have first past the post. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And so then you vote for a party, and it puts up a comprehensive manifesto. And you hold it to account for that comprehensive manifesto, yeah, not for yeah. what it's doing that day or what it agreed to subsequently. And of course, the other thing about uh, first past the post that I like is it gives you a decisive victory on the night, mm-hmm. and it gives you a comprehensive government that the prime minister has the numbers, whether it's left or right. Um, obviously, Jacinda Ardern got the numbers in 2020. Yeah. But uh, um, Nash, it would have been, if we'd had a first-past-the-post vote at that last election, it would have been a landslide to National. And at the moment, it's National trying to cobble together with two separate parties a deal. It, to me, it's not the voters speaking. And I know the voters only get two choices on in an election under first-past-the-post, basically. There can be third parties, that's true, but it's tough for them. But those voters are hunting your... Those parties are hunting your vote and put together more comprehensive manifestos where the concerns that you and I have get expressed. Mm. But no excuse not to implement them. But, you know, that's that's gone. That's gone. First-past-the-post is gone, so we're dealing with this MMP. And to me, it's a samozzle. You know, it's it's it doesn't sit comfortably with me that uh, what you voted for now doesn't matter. You know, what matters now is them getting into their position and forming a government and then getting in position for 2020, what will it be? 
2026. Um, and for for ACT and New Zealand First, I'd be looking at that and I'd be thinking, we want a centre-right government in 2026 because I'm the ACT party. I can't see two support parties surviving this government. Yeah, that's interesting. Three years. It's like a it's like a, a longer election campaign sort of Yeah. So I want to be in a position where I'm getting reported and making a difference. And that possibly is why I have to be only given supply and confidence. Because if I disappear into cabinet, um Winston will eat me. <laughs> If I'm on the sup, giving confidence to supply, I might be able to eat him. Mm, so bring, bring on the 2026 election campaign starting already. Well, you got to think of it, right? How are you going to be positioned, right? Yeah. Where are you going to be? Um, how can I get, how can I be seen to be delivering for my voters and my potential voters over the next three years? What is my best position to be in? I think that matters. Mm. And it particularly matters because everything I want can be denied to me by the other party. Winston can deny me, or if I'm Winston, Act can deny me. It's not enough just to get National on board. Mm. And obviously also within that three-party dynamic, there'll be cases where two will gang up on one, potentially. Is that right? Yeah, well, mm -hmm. National, what, what National would like to be doing is playing sphere, and they'd like to, we give one to ACT, we give one to New Zealand first, we give this to New Zealand first, we give this to ACT. If you follow what I mean, that's how, that's how um, John Key played ACT in the Maori Party, because with either one or the other, he had the numbers. So if you wanted to do something that was really right-wing and centre-right, what you'd call free market, you'd go with that. If you want to do something lefty and have a, you know, something what you and I would call racist, you'd go with the Maori party and that would oppose it, right? So he could play the each off the other and we could be railing against it, but he had the numbers or the Maori party could be railing against it, but he had the numbers. Chris Luxon doesn't have that luxury. Um, he needs both of them on board. That's why I think it's going to be a fought government. I guess in some cases, and we've got to wrap up soon, the, the you know, ACT and New Zealand First could kind of work together on on, on some issues, you know, potentially like this this treaty referendum, Luxon saying it's divisive. Yeah, Obviously, absolutely. Absolutely. But, of course, the tricky thing then is ego and votes come into it because you'll be thinking, well, <clears throat> Can we do this in a way that looks good both for New Zealand First and ACT? Or is it going to make just ACT look good or just New Zealand First make look good? And that matters. It matters yeah. for ego, but it matters Office. for political support. And that's the tricky thing because Winston won't want to be supporting a new an ACT initiative, right, because it makes him look second tier, and it will be the same. It's crazy, I know, right? But this is all part of the dynamic, and that's why I think separating the two, having one in cabinet and one outside, is would be a smart play. And the obvious one to have outside is ACT, 
because it's a more policy-focused party and they can do their policy work. And Winston Peters is more, how would I word this, political, you know, more show, more theatre. And he can do that by being in cabinet and being deputy prime minister or foreign minister or minister and minister of broadcasting. So um, that's how I see it. And I could be, I'm sure events will prove me 100% wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But when you ask for your opinion, you give it your best shot, right? Yeah, you did good. There we go, Tane. That was Politics Explained. Oh, my goodness. Wasn't that great line of Winston Churchill was where politics was the a, um, is the art of um, predicting the future and then explaining afterwards why you were wrong. <laughs> so that'll be my job probably next time we're on here, Tane. will be explaining why I had it all wrong. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Well, I guess politics is political at the moment give us a text 2057 email us inbox at radio. this is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am 